Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Estelle Talek. Estelle and I had a really fun and informative conversation all around wellness. What wellness means, as well as little things we can do in our lives to improve our wellness. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Estelle, thank you for joining me today. How are you? Oh my gosh, I am doing so well. It is April, which means it's spring and the weather is better and I can get outside more, except for the pollen. But yes, other than that, <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing really well. It's, it's been a good week so far. It's like, yay, it's warm and I'm sneezing a ton. <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's warm, so that's the important thing. There's ways we can get around the pollen issues. Yes. No, no, no. And, and I just, I love being able to get outside. I'm fortunate to live in an area where I can be. And so it's lovely. If it's only for t- maybe two weeks of the year that I really can't stand to be outside, it's okay. It's well worth it. <laughs> exactly. I agree. I agree. Well, I'm excited to get you on and dive into some good conversations today. But before we do that, just introduce yourself a little bit. Who are you? So I, you know, so I'm Estelle Talek, Dr. Estelle Talek. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I'm also a certified nutrition coach. And I started my business Living Well with Estelle because I really would love people to live well. Um, I work as an inpatient physical therapist at a large hospital here in the area. And I get to see what happens when we don't live well and take care of ourselves. And so being able to be on the other side of that as well from a more preventative standpoint has been really exciting for me. I'm a former ballet dancer turned musical theater from South Africa. I moved here um, to dance. And so I'm a mom of three kids. I, life is a little crazy. I have an elite soccer player. So there's a lot going on. And so living well means a lot of things um, in, in all areas of our life. And understanding about integration and balance of nutrition and wellness and all the things. So that's, that's kind of how I've gotten to my philosophy on wellness. Um, and, and I know this could be a big rabbit hole to dive into, and that could be a multi-hour discussion with this one question, but what is living well, or what is wellness to you? So wellness to me really has evolved over the years. Um, so, you know, like I said, I'm originally from Cape Town, South Africa. And so Wellness is not a focus growing up. Uh, I I come from a family that has a large history with chronic preventable illnesses. And it kind of just had that mentality of, oh, well, you know, my mom had diabetes. Oh, my mom is overweight. Oh, my mom had hypertension. Like those are the inevitable things that are going to happen to me. And then moving here, you know, and I was dancing. And of course you have that focus on wellness because you have to keep your body in tip top shape in order to, you know, dance eight hours a day. And then as I got older, went to physical, you know, PT school and had kids and realizing, oh, wellness, it's not just what I'm eating every day. It's what my body is taking in. So like whether it's the social media, like what are, what are my thoughts? What am I reading? And it's become more now the pillars of like your mental wellness, emotional wellness, like your, your physical wellness as well. And what can I do every day to move the needle to a health outlook? for me long-term, that is what I would like my life to look like when I'm 60 or 70 years old, but I can't wait until I'm 60 or 70 to make those changes. I have to start doing it now 
in order to have that lifelong wellness that I wish my mom had, uh, which she unfortunately doesn't. So yeah, so wellness now encompasses all the areas of my life, not just my physical wellness. I think it's so hard because when you're in your 20s and maybe young 30s, it's like you're invincible. Nothing's going to happen to you. And like, that's the age that we need to really start ingraining some of these, you know, ideas, these concepts into people. But unfortunately, it's not until people are in their like upper, like maybe mid 40s into their 50s. that it's like, oh, I need to do something about this. <laughs> no, I mean, it's true. Like you are invincible. I think back to what I used to subsist on as a dancer. So like, you know, when I, when I moved here, I'm living in New York city, I'm taking classes and doing all these things. I think maybe I had an apple and a drink. I don't, I mean, I would not really eat well. I did not eat to fuel what I wanted, like in performance. And now I realize you can do that for a little bit, but you cannot do that forever. At some point you realize, oh, I actually need to go to bed earlier. I need to get more sleep. I need to eat better. Maybe that, what is that thing called? Protein? I need that. (laughs) That thing? (laughs) Oh, yeah. So no, as you age, unfortunately, you know, you realize the habits you had in your 20s and 30s are not serving you well anymore. And you kind of wake up and you're like, oh, what can I do better? Um, And hopefully if we can keep educating people about like, I think of it like a wellness piggy bank, right? So not that people are really thinking about investing in their wealth and their money in their 20s and 30s either. But if we think about it, like as what what investments are you like, you know, deposits are you making into your wellness bank in your 20s and your 30s? And then as your 40s and 50s, you know, you need to start reaping those investments, right? So if you have taken care of yourself during those first, you know, two, three decades, now you get to your 50s and the idea that, oh, you know, I like, sometimes people will use the excuse of aging as why they can't do things. Oh, my knees hurt because I'm getting older or my back hurts or this hurts or I'm not sleeping well. Like they just think it's inevitable that that's supposed to happen. But no, it's not really supposed to happen. <laughs> we could actually do something. So that's why you see those marathon runners and like 60. I have a friend who started running marathons when she was 60. Now, I don't know if I'll start doing that when I'm 60, but I certainly would like to have the choice to if I want to. So yeah, I think of like, what deposits do you make daily into your wellness piggy bank so that you can crack it open when you're 50 and 60? and have a large investment waiting for you. Yeah, it's funny. I just had a conversation with that um, similar along those lines with um, a guy I work out with at the gym. He was just hanging out, like sitting on the bottom of the squat as we were just having conversation or I walked over to say something to him. And he's like, you know, he's like, a lot of people can't sit like this. And a lot of people think it's weird that we should, that, and don't think that we should be able to. I was like, I have this conversation with people daily because I'm like, and like, I'll talk about how, like, look at like people in Asian cultures who are used to being in those positions. They can do that up until their death. And it's like, it's not just because they're Asian, like it's because they do it regularly. If we did it regularly, we could too. And, and it's just interesting how people just blame everything on it's because of my age, my knees hurts because of my age, my, this is happening because of my age. And it's like, 
well, it's because you've done this thing for 30 years to create this, but it's not necessarily because of your age. No, I mean, in that deep squat position. So up till about two years ago, I also did early intervention and I would go into homes and, you know, work on developmental delay. And that was one of the things like playing in a deep squat, like picking up toys and doing all these things. Kids do it naturally. Like they just sit in that squat all day long, playing with toys, picking up puzzle pieces. And yeah, you know, or sometimes they have this hundredth day of school thing where the kids have to dress up as a hundred year old person. And they always have a walker or some (laughs) assistive device. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get to a hundred and I'm not going to have an assistive device. Why? We don't have to have that stereotype of an old person is like hunched over bad posture and they have an assistive device and they're like walking with this, you know, intelligent gait. I'm like, no, we don't need to. Maybe we can start reframing what aging looks like. Yeah. Be that hundred year old person still running the marathon. Like (laughs) these people exist and we can all be them if we want to. So when we're talking like a lot of this stuff that happens to us, so we aren't well, comes down to lifestyle habits, those things we're doing. You already mentioned sleep, social media, um, which can be its own big rabbit hole of things. But like, what are, I guess, as a general, like, what are people doing to create this like unhealthy, unwell lifestyle and what can we do in order to kind of work to start changing that? Well, well, I think that what we can start doing to change it. And then, I mean, what, what they're doing is they may not really think about what, how their daily habits stack up, right? Like, what are you eating? Like, so my four pillars of wellness have to do with mindset, movement, nutrition, and sleep. So those are now have become core pillars of what I focus on. So like, what are your default habits, right? So if you were left to your own devices, and you're, like, what would you naturally do? Like, what don't you need to be reminded of? Uh, and that's because those are your habits, right? So when when we're looking at, are, are you getting enough sleep? I think in our society tends, maybe now, given the last couple of years, people have realized that burnout is not a badge of honor and that there needs to be better balance. I I don't really think that there can be work-life balance per se, but there can be an integration of different areas of your life so that maybe one one week it leans more heavily towards the one side and then, but overall it balances out. And so, you know, sometimes people have things that they need to do. So they prioritize getting the to-do list done rather than prioritizing sleep, right? And I think that sleep is so integral to everything, whether it's recovering from your exercise, recovering from your day, staying well. We're like, we know on our learning more and more about the importance of sleep. And so having your sleep be the center of knowing this is how much sleep my body really needs to function. And then everything else goes around it. So figuring out like, what's your sleep sweet spot, right? I know mine is seven hours and 25 minutes or like, you know, about 7.15. That's what I need in order to really function well, wake up with an alarm in the mornings. And, and, and so 
that means that I have to backtrack from that. Do we set up a routine? Like I, when, you know, I have three kids, when you're little, the kids are little, you have a bedtime routine for them to transition from, you know, daytime into night, but we don't really do that for ourselves, right? You, I'm not, not, I'm generalizing now, but a lot of people will sit, they're scrolling while watching TV and like doing 5 million things right up to the minute that they close their eyes and go to bed. So mm-hmm. having a separation of, okay, I turn off my device, I leave it downstairs. Like you really, I mean, you could just get a regular old fashioned alarm clock. You don't need to have your phone be your alarm, right? So your phone does not have to come into the bedroom. You can have it just be a space where maybe you journal, maybe you have a nice brain dump before you go to bed and focus on like, how can I set myself up so that I can transition, have a good night's rest, really wake up refreshed because so many other things are linked to getting poor sleep. So you're not getting a lot of sleep. You tend to focus on foods that give your body energy, right? They tend to be the higher caloric, high carb foods that your body's going to be craving, not because you're not eating well, but because your body needs energy and it's smart. It knows that protein is going to take forever to digest to give me energy. But that Snickers bar, now that's going to hit the spot. So it's, you know, it, it makes it harder to make better choices during the day when we're not giving ourselves that time to sleep. Um, So yeah, so for me, I think we need to focus on what is it that makes us function well? And a lot of it comes to being aware, right? Having that awareness of knowing, oh, this is how I feel when I don't get enough sleep, or this is how I feel when I eat these foods that I may have enjoyed when I was younger, or, you know, I think your palates and and your digestive health and your gut changes as well. And so listening to your body, like maybe that is not a food that is serving you anymore in your thirties or forties or fifties, then have that less of the time. And, but being aware, right. And having be more mindful about what you're doing to move your body. Maybe, you know, you are an athlete that like to do sort of high intensity type training, but as you get older, that's not where you should function. You should focus your attention. So for me, I, I always recommend for people, you know, once they hit 40, and probably it should be sooner, to focus on flexibility, strength, and balance, like incorporating activities that do those things into their weekly workouts. And workouts doesn't have to be something like Punishing. I always think of exercise as celebration. And I don't even like using the word exercise for some people. I call it movement. Like, what are you doing to move your body? Like, find fun ways to. I love to dance. So I take a tap class weekly with my daughter. And that's a fun way for me to move my body on a Wednesday night. Um, So it doesn't have to be something strenuous that you don't really enjoy. And you do it because you think you're supposed to, right? So finding things that you really want to do instead. Awesome. You made so many great points there. Um, one thing I do want to highlight is something you said about work-life balance. And it's something I, like, we always hear about work-life balance. It's something I read recently myself, as far as like, there is no such thing as work-life balance. Like if you focus on one thing, the other one's going to suffer. And it's not like it's 50, 50, and you're just going to like invest. Um, and it really is finding that's like, all right, this week I have this big project due. So I'm giving more time to my work. Whereas like, oh, okay, like that project's done. Now I can focus on my family a little bit more and we're going to go on this trip or whatever. And, and, uh, just being mindful that it's just like, there's never a perfect balance. It's just finding that, like, where do I need to focus my time either? Like in this moment, in this day, in this week, rather than stressing about, like, I'm not giving my all to everything. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think it's difficult to give you all to everything all the time, right? Um, and and one one thing that I think is important for people to realize is that I heard someone say, "No" is a complete sentence. <laughs> But boundaries, I mean, I think that when it comes to that work-life balance, integration, whatever you want to call it, is it's setting up boundaries for yourself, knowing that and have and communicating, right? You know, so if you do live with other people in your household, <laughs> letting them know, okay, like this is a week where I have quite a few large projects coming up that really d demand my attention. And I will make sure, you know, carve out some quality time and not, it may not be quantity of time with people, but having quality time in the downtime that you do have when you're not working on whatever is coming along. But, and therefore it's important to know that, okay, I think that it became difficult when people are working out of the home uh, and not in an office anymore to shut off mm -hmm. at the end of the day, right? Because it was easy. You would pack up and you would leave and you go home and you may not check your computer again, a work email, whatever. And setting up those same type of parameters in the home where you go, okay, I'm going to shut down. Like, this is it. I'm not going to check my work email again. Or if someone sends an email, I know my, my husband's one of those people and I do too, because I might forget. So I will send an email that may be over the weekend, but that doesn't mean I want you to respond over the weekend. It's just that I'm thinking of it in that moment. And if I don't do it, I'm going to forget. I'm the but, same way. <laughs> you know, but don't feel obligated to respond to me. It is Saturday. Like, go do something else. It's just, it will be there waiting for you Monday morning. It's not urgent. I'm just getting it off my to-do list. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Getting it out of my um, head. <laughs> getting out of my head. So I know, I'm like, I did that. Um, so yeah, I just, I think it's, it's all about boundaries and realizing like, what is it that you, you, you want? Like, what does you want your life to look like? If it's always a grind, you kind of forget like what is the purpose of what I'm doing like I, I really think that people should enjoy what their job is you know so that it doesn't feel like work you really just wake up you're like oh I get to do this today like I woke up today I'm like I get to talk to Brianne today and be on a podcast like you know so it's, it's fun for me um, to know that these are the things that are coming up in my day so but yes it's all about it's about boundaries and being able to say no sometimes yeah I think those boundaries are huge especially you know, with so much technology and devices now, it's like, you're always connected for the most part, most people are always connected to their phones. And so it's like, there are a lot of jobs, like not that it's an obligation, but it's kind of an expect, or it's kind of just this unspoken expectation. That's like, Oh, if you, if my boss texts me at eight o'clock at night, I'm going to respond to it. Um, and I think there's just this, we've gotten so in like, the technology world has gotten us so much more connected that we just feel like we have to respond to things when in all reality, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. I mean, and that's why I guess it's, you know, it's a, it's a curse and a blessing at the same time and learning how to moderate your use. Right. And I think that it's not something that we always like. So maybe you like to, you enjoy being able to go on social media and keep in touch with everybody and see all of these things. But at the same time, how much time are you spending on social media? And could you be spending that time doing something productive in terms of like, maybe you can read a book, maybe you can go and spend time with an other human in person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, crazy idea there, <laughs> see people um, and not, feel like you see people because you see them on your screen 
but actually talk to them. And I think that sometimes I feel like I'm keeping up with people's lives and I know what's going on because, well, you know, I saw their Facebook stories and their Instagram. But in the reality is like, I haven't picked up the phone to actually talk to them in forever. And so I, I try to make a point now. I have, I have a couple of things I do every week. One of them is I, I write out three thank you sort of gratitude cards. I just, just mail it out to whoever I feel is called upon my heart to send them a little card because I like happy mail. And I've been getting happy mail. And I was like, ah, I'm going to send other people happy mail. And the other thing is just, just like calling people. So I'm one of, you know, not that, I don't know how many of us are out there, but I don't like if you've texted me four times back and forth, I'm going to call you. <laughs> I don't like having a conversation via text. No. You know, so I'm, I like to pick up the phone and talk to people. And sometimes you realize that what you see on social media is not really what's going on in that person's life. And, you know, they just don't want to share that in that forum, which is fine. I, I don't think there's a lot of oversharing that happens these days. And it's okay, but I think that we need to still connect in real time to people the way we used to. Yeah, I actually, I reached out to a colleague of mine recently and um, just so I wanted to talk, like connect and talk to him. And uh, in my message to him to schedule a time to talk, I was just like, hey, like, looks like things are going great, but I know social media can be deceiving. So I hope you're doing well. <laughs> and I'm like, it can, like social media world for the most part people is just like my life's awesome and this is what we're doing it's like you don't see the like I can barely pay my bills right now or you know whatever like I'm hanging on by a thread send help I wouldn't <laughs> think check on on your strong friends right I mean because you're like oh they always have it together they must be doing fine and then you're like well if they're always checking in on other people who checks in on them yeah good point. So yeah, I, so I, because I do think mental health, uh, that you know, we're talking about it more, but it is a very important topic. And what you see on the outside isn't always what's going on in, within, right? And so if we do take the time to connect with people, and they feel like that you genuinely are wanting to see how they're doing, they be, might be more likely to open up and share things that they aren't able to share with other people. Yeah. Let's take a quick break to talk about Venga CBD. I absolutely love CBD because of what it can do for the body with decreasing inflammation, increasing recovery, and enhancing sleep. Venga has an awesome product in the Ultra Gels to enhance recovery and also has their sleep product, which is amazing for both the recovery aspect because it has the CBD, but also the sleep aspect because it has a compound called CBN as well as melatonin. The other thing I absolutely love about Venga is it is made by athletes for athletes. So it is a highly tested product to ensure that it is high quality and is clean. I encourage you to go check out Venga CBD and test it out for yourself and see if you get the same benefits that I do. You can check out all of their great products by going to getyourfixpt.com slash Venga CBD. And if you use my code getyourfix at checkout, you can save an extra 20%. 
You can also check out all of my partners at getyourfixpt.com partners. And now let's get back to the conversation. It's so interesting, like getting to know more people just in general and finding out like they were suicidal in the past and just like how happy they looked in pictures or how happy they came across. It's like people in those situations are very deceptive as far as what's truly going on. And, and yeah, we never really know. No, no, no. We, yeah. So, I mean, one of my childhood friends and I mean, he, she was the most outgoing, happy person. I mean, she worked at a radio station. She was a DJ. I mean, there's no way you would have thought that she had so many demons and it was so she was going through such a dark period in her life because on the outside, it just looked like, you know, fairies and unicorns and marshmallows and, and it wasn't at all. Um, and uh, sadly, it was too late for us to offer her any help. And of course we would have been there but I think if we have to start asking the right questions and just being there for people and, and knowing that they can connect in a way that it's not going to make us feel uncomfortable, like, no, never just, just share. Yeah. You're going through something hard. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's switch topics a little bit um, or a lot, actually. Um, <laughs> when I get into nutrition side of things, Um, you know, I think we all know now, whether we follow it or not, we all know now, like processed foods are full of a bunch of crap and we shouldn't necessarily be putting it into our bodies. Um, but I think a lot of people don't necessarily know the why behind it. And I think that's always important. Um, so that's kind of what the more direction I want to take as far as like, why do our bodies not thrive when we're putting all the processed foods in us and what's like how do we start transitioning ourselves from like this very convenient on the go food lifestyle to a more like food as medicine type lifestyle? Yeah. I mean, and, and like, so convenience is great, right? I mean, like I told you, I have three kids, like they have activities, life is crazy. And so it is easy to just pull in at a drive-through and just pick something up. Or when you're sitting outside of practice for hours on end, you know, not to prepare, but our bodies weren't designed to eat the things or the chemicals and the fillers that they put in the processed foods. They highly palatable, they are ultra processed and they, they designed in a way, they are addicting. I mean, I, I started having my kids look at food labels and understanding, oh, what's the serving size, you know, because they need to understand what they're putting in their bodies but they also need to look at the label and see, oh, they add sugar or the or a sugar derivative word to pretty much everything that I'm like, it, this doesn't need sugar. Like, why is it even in here? Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding that, yeah, there's going to be some sugars in foods because it came from fruit and that's fine, but how much of it is there, right? And let's looking at artificial ingredients or ingredients that you can't even pronounce. So I like to be able to pronounce the things that, that I'm putting in my body or where are we shopping when you go to the grocery store? Are you shopping mostly in the middle of the store or are you shopping the outer aisles? Um, and even the way that shopping like grocery stores are set up, like if you've ever, you know, taken a kid in a shopping cart, all of the things at the eye level of the child at the shopping cart are probably not the best for them. Like if you go down even the cereal aisle, all of the oatmeals and the better, like, you know, steel cut oats are either at the bottom shelf 
or they're so far up that I'm five foot one and three quarters. Like it's really hard for me to see the better grains and cereals that are actually there. Whereas the other day there was, there's a cereal that's like basically chocolate chip cookies with milk. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I didn't understand. I was like, I'm very confused. How is this the cereal to eat or Pop-Tarts or any of these processed foods? And, and because I had this conversation with somebody the other day that we have kids menus. And if you look at the kids menus at restaurants versus, well, we don't need a kids menu. We should just have a menu and everybody eats off the same thing, but it tends to be really beige foods, right? The chicken nuggets, plain pasta, like, a, like or maybe mac and cheese, and they have French fries. Like it's just, there's not very many green things. Like they're not offering kids a side salad or a smaller salad. So I think that we all, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot that goes into how do we change things? And, but I like to have people focus on adding goodness into their day diet and diet as in what you eat not going on a diet I think we've totally misconstrued mm -hmm. that for a word but how about adding goodness into your day but starting out with maybe a week of just tracking what you eat and this is not like you don't change what you eat literally just if you can't write it down take pictures of everything that you put in your mouth that week and then look at the colors like do you see a variety of colors in the pictures <laughs> that you took of your food like what are you noticing is it mostly you know simple carbohydrates are there any complex do you even know what a complex carbohydrate is like sometimes when you throw these macronutrient names around assuming that people know what they are um and they don't but you know do you know how much protein your body needs like a lot of times it boils down to being aware and i think that once you become aware of like oh this is what i've been eating like what can I do better? I'm like, oh, okay, maybe you drink a lot of, you know, caffeinated or diet sodas every day. So rather than saying, I'm not, I'm not going to be drinking those anymore, say, I'm going to have an extra glass of water with each of my meals, or I'm going to start my day off with, you know, 20 or 16 ounces of water, like just adding more water, because that's a lot of volume, right? So you eventually have to let go of some other liquid you're taking in. It will most likely be not having as many sodas. Or maybe you say, oh, there wasn't a lot of vegetables in any of my meals. I'm gonna add an extra serving of vegetables or make a small side salad to go with these things. And as you keep adding goodness into your meals, I find that naturally some of the other things fall by the wayside or being more conscious of like, I ate this meal. How did I feel after I ate that meal, right? And be like, oh, I was bloated and gassy and didn't really feel that great. Then maybe that's not the kind of meal that you have on a regular basis. That is something that you have once in a while. Um, the other thing I like to tell people is like, look at the schedule for the week. If you know that Tuesday and Wednesday nights are just crazy, maybe on Sundays you prep some meals that you double batch, put one in the freezer that you can pull out so that you can easily reheat and have something that's a little bit more wholesome than stopping by Chick-fil-A or any of these fast food places where the food is great, but they don't make you feel great if you eat that on a regular basis. So it, it requires some thinking and some planning, but it is doable. And if we make if we set the model for our children that this is how we think about, oh, you know, let's plan for the week, like involve them in the planning of like, oh, like, you know, what do they like to eat? Maybe there's 
if the kids are old enough, they want to take over a night of cooking where they are in charge of making the meal on that night because maybe they're around and you're off with the other siblings doing something else. But involving them in the process of like, why do we eat this way? What are we trying to achieve? Like, it's not that all of a sudden when someone eats healthy, you're like, oh, they're on a diet. No, we should be eating this way all the time. And the people that are not should be like, why are you eating that way? Like, that's not really great for you long term, right? But it's gone completely the other way where when someone whoops out a salad at lunch, you're like, are you on a diet? No, <laughs> just eat foods that make me feel good. <laughs> the end. Shouldn't be a discussion. It should be completely normal. I'm always amazed by that. And I have that conversation frequently with a friend of mine. It's just like, why? Like, because both of us eat very healthy and it is one of those things. It's like, why is it like we're the oddball when we go out to eat with friends? <laughs> like, why is eating like, how did this happen? Where like eating actual normal foods is being weird and being different. <laughs> I mean, and then you make people feel like some sort of shame of the, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm like, no, just you're eating to celebrate your body and making, that's what makes you feel good. Yeah. Like, I mean, I do like pecan pie. I love dessert, but I know that. So I know that I can't, I don't buy a lot of sweet things and keep it in my house because I don't feel like great after I eat them. I like them, I enjoy them, but it's my 20% of the time, not my 80% of the time. 80% of the time, I'm gonna focus on things that make me feel good. I know I'm not gonna feel sluggish after I eat it. I have energy from it and it's tasty. Like healthy, like eating in a healthy way does not mean you're eating kale. I'm like, for the love of God, if you do not like kale, don't, don't eat, eat kale. <laughs> And if you don't like rice cauliflower, don't eat it. Yes, totally. <laughs> Sorry, kale and cauliflower, but <laughs> like you don't have to do it. No, that's true. Like there's hundreds of vegetables out there. Like if you don't like a couple of them, don't eat those and eat the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep moving through the list. I mean, like you can work your way around the produce aisle until you find things that you like. Oh, I like this. Or prepare it a different way. Maybe you grew up eating cooked carrots, me, and you don't like cooked carrots. It's okay. Don't eat cooked carrots. They're quite delicious raw. <laughs> oh, one thing I speaking of like fast food and things. Um someone sent me this article last week or the week before. And he's like, Hey, did you know this? It was fascinating. It was talking about how the paper wrappers that fast food is in contain some toxic chemical in it that like when the grease hits it, like can infuse into the food. And then it goes on to talk about like, since we're all in, still in the COVID world goes on to talk about how the toxin can actually decrease the effectiveness of vaccines. <laughs> it was like, awesome <laughs> I was like this is fascinating and insane all at the same time oh goodness well you'll have to send that to me because that sounds crazy good thing I don't eat that much fast food um <laughs> yeah right yeah I'll tell you he sent it, it he texted it to me I'll find it and send it to you yeah, so we certainly don't want to decrease the effectiveness of anything these days. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, well, one other thing I wanted to talk to you today is I know 
a lot of what you do with the people you work with is, and we, I think we touched on a little bit with lifestyle and nutrition, but I think there's deeper we can go is how do we overcome this like fatigue that we're feeling or how do we help our bodies to recover after our workouts or after we've just done some sort of like intense thing? Yeah. So, you know, what, what I, what I like to tell them, these are not my, my other, these are my living well with Estelle (laughs) clients that I work with as a wellness consultant. It's just having a post-recovery routine, right? Um, Just like I tell people to have a bedtime sleep routine. It's like, what are you doing after your workouts? Of course, as a physical therapist, I'm always going to tell you to make sure you stretch, (laughs) hydrate afterwards as well. Like, what are you drinking during, but making sure that you're hydrating afterwards, Um, having, eating something within 45 minutes that is a combination of protein and carbohydrates, right? It's not just, I know that like the soccer field, they're always giving kids chocolate milk to drink, but you know, like, what is it that you can have afterwards? Um, And also making sure that you do have that restorative sleep because that's the time your your body is really working on repairing and, and taking care of business. So making sure that you have deep restorative sleep is important. Um, and that, you know, that so the cool down and stretch, prioritizing some protein and carbs within 45 minutes um, of, of working out. And then also having active recovery days. So not just constantly working out super hard every day but like can you fit in days where you're going for a walk or you're swimming but not like like hard swimming like you know just swimming to move the the muscles in a different way or pilates or yoga I've, i've become a fan of yoga flow and that's kind of what i've been incorporating which is nice because then you get to work on that balance and flexibility piece because in order for you to be better at the exercises that you do, like if you're a runner or, or any type of performance, like I tell my soccer player daughter, it is important to work your muscles in a different way so that you don't have the same movement pattern all the time, especially since she's almost 16 and they already have a, a girl on their team that tore her ACL. Like this is, you know, prime ACL tearing time because they don't spend a lot of time, even though the coaches say, make sure you have, you know, do it's an active recovery day, you know, it's not meaning lying on the couch and scroll TikTok. That is not an act of recovery for anybody, whether you're 15 or 50. It is, it's not. Um, there is that time and place. But looking at ways of how you can still move your body in a different manner, in a gentle way, and helping it recover. And, you know, or some people... I am I'm a huge believer in supplementing with high quality bioavailable supplements. Like what can I do to help my body? Cause some of the things, you know, my body doesn't produce. So making sure that I'm adding in um, the right supplements to help with the repair of my, my tissues as well um, is important. So, yeah, so that that's basically what I tell people. So cool down, stretch, prioritize, having some protein and carbs within 45 minutes, have your sleep, your active recovery days, and then doing something for some mindset work um, is also really important. It's either having at the start of your day or at the end of your day, just a time to unwind, because I think we don't give ourselves enough time to sort of decompress. And you go to bed, and then you just start it again. And it's just this constant, you know, hamster on the wheel type of thing. And then on the weekends, you want to sleep in which is not really optimal. You really should try to wake up at the same time every day. And if you're getting enough sleep, you won't feel the need to sleep in, which is something I 
I'm learning now. <laughs> As I'm older, I'm like, oh, when I sleep in, I don't actually feel very good. I have a headache and my body's just like, what did you just do? And I just feel completely off for the rest of the day. And I would have been better off just waking up at my normal time and using the quiet time in the morning for something else. So, um, but yeah, so that's what I would recommend people to really help with that fatigue is how do you treat your body post-exercise or post-workout um, does play a role in how you'll feel the next day. Something you touched on there, I think is, is super important. Something I've been working on lately is just like having that quiet time. Cause we are always like on the go. A lot of times, even if you're cooking and your house is empty, like radios on podcasts is on TVs on like something's on for background noise. Very rarely do we just spend time like in quiet, whether it's sitting still or doing something in the house, but very rarely do we ever spend time in quiet. And it's just so important like, for the brain, for the, like the body, for everything to just kind of like process, um, decompress to have that quiet time. No, I mean, and it, I didn't value it. I mean, I never thought it was important because I'm just like, oh, I could be doing something right now. Yeah. Because you always feel like I'm just sitting here doing I'm wasting my time. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, <laughs> I could be at least listening to a podcast, you know, catch up on all brands shows. But no, just, you know, I am fortunate. I have a, my favorite place in the house. Um, actually, it's not even in the house. It's, it's my screened porch. I even have a sign that says life is better on the porch because I do live in the South. So I, but just sitting out there, and not, no phone, no nothing, just sitting and listening to nature. It's something that I'm trying to embrace doing because I do feel like, oh, what else? Like, what do I need to do today? You know, so I start my day. I have my list from the night before the three top things that I need to accomplish that day. And everything else is like gravy. I may sometimes add it to the list just so I can scratch it off because I'm one of those people. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> but there is something really powerful about getting quiet because I've had ideas or solutions to problems that I've been thinking about prior come to me when I take the time to be still. Mm -hmm. And there, I mean, can you sit still for 10 minutes? Like just, and it doesn't have to be like closed eyes, like in some sort of like yogi position. It could just be like just, sitting and appreciating nature, listening to the bird sounds, like how many, how many, how many different sounds can I hear as I sit out here and just focusing on other things um, and being quiet. Uh, Cause I think that if you did that, you know, get challenge yourself to sit in quiet for 30 days, just 10 minutes for 30 days, um, you'll probably find it has a profound effect on just how centered you feel after you come out of that quiet time. Yeah, definitely. And um, I listened to a podcast recently and I like the way it was phrased because, you know, we talk about meditation and, and how, and like a lot of the, a lot of people who you reckon, like when you talk about meditation, like, oh, well, I can't shut my mind off. I can't quiet my mind, which ultimately isn't necessarily the purpose of it, but you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a myth people have, like they need to be able to like fully like shut their mind off. Um, but I've heard like this guy, he reframed it as far as just like, it's sitting, like I sit, I don't meditate daily. I sit and like, I just sit in quiet for 30 minutes. And like, I love that reframing of it just because it does change the connotation of it. Like, even though the exact same thing can be happening, um, it just changes the connotation of it. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I was one of those people when they would say meditate. I'm like, oh, I can't meditate. Like I started making a grocery list in my head and like think about <laughs> right. other things. Like, and then someone was like, well, it's okay for you to allow thoughts to come in. And then you just, you know, have them just leave you again. But the reframing, I think is really helpful for people, like people that don't like the word exercise, mm-hmm. just reframing and calling moving your body. Like, how are you moving your body today? Right. And so a lot, a lot of times we can get better buy-in from people when we use words that are less um, triggering to them. <laughs> um, you know, so just saying I sit daily it just happens to be quiet and I'm not doing anything else at the same time. <laughs> I love that. I'm yes. going to be sitting, I'm going to be sitting daily. Well, I think too, um, just kind of thinking as you're talking is like, um, you know, a lot of people think meditation has to do with religion. So then when you like, they're like, well, I'm not that religion or like it counteracts what their beliefs are around that. Like, it, when you call it sitting, it's just like, it changes it all. And it's, there's like no fight. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We will all be sitting every day. Yes. Sit, sit in quiet. That's all you need to do. <laughs> Solve the world's problems. <laughs> well, you never know. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, you might actually, things will come to you. Cause my son, he's, he always says, Oh, I'm bored. I'm like, do you know what happens when people get bored? they start to think of amazing things. Like that's how they, you know, start inventing things when they're bored, they come up with different games, they come up with different things to do. So it is good to be bored. So I should tell him, let's all sit. (laughs) (laughs) He'll probably think I've lost my mind, but um, yes, we should encourage sitting and children too. I love the reframing boredom too. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Let's reframe boredom. We're just going to sit and be (laughs) grateful. Awesome. Well, Estelle, this has been a great conversation, very entertaining as well. Um, if someone has more questions for you or just wants to follow you, where can they find you? So um, my website is pretty simple. It's just livingwellwithestelle.com. And so that, um, that's where they can find me. But otherwise, I'm on Instagram as livingwellwithestelle. And then um, just Estelle Solik on, on Facebook. I love connecting with new people. Um, I'm also Estelle Solik on uh, LinkedIn. And I definitely love connecting with people just to talk more about, I could talk about wellness and health and longevity and, and um, South Africa, travel, any of those things, all of the above. <laughs> or if they want to give me some more ideas on just reframing, I'm all on mindset. I would love to connect. Awesome. Well, this has been super fun. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Highly Functional and had some great takeaways from it. Now, if you are dealing with your own foot and ankle issues and would love to get back to running and racing again, I highly encourage you to check out runwithhappyfeet.com to find out what it looks like to work with me. Or if you want to do things even faster and take a deep dive into your specific situation, then book a free call with me at runwithhappyfeet.com slash book dash call. And finally, if you know someone who would benefit from the information provided today, I would love for you to share this podcast with that person. Now go out and have an awesome day.